0: and welcome to another episode of a shot glass of recovery with your host Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast Two Sober Chicks. Guess where the fuck I am? I'm in Tennessee, y'all. I literally flew down here yesterday within 12 hours of making the decision to leave. I was lamenting how it's been forever since I've been in my beloved United States of America. And I had FaceTime with some friends and saw them all together. And I was like, no, I should be there. I don't like this. And then I thought, wait a second, maybe I can fly to the United States. I know I can't drive across the border. And sure enough, I booked a flight and I was out. So I got here yesterday. I'm so excited. I'm sorry it's been three days since I have podcasted. I have missed you and I have wanted to podcast. And so here we go, y'all. Tradition 8. Okay, Tradition 8, the long form. This is on page 191 of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, which is the sister book to the Alcoholics Anonymous, Anonymous textbook called The Big Book. And we're just gonna read them and comment on them because they are important. All right, so the long form, which we don't read in meetings, reads as follows Tradition eight Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non professional. We define professionalism as the occupation of counseling alcoholics for fees or hire. Oh. But we may employ alcoholics where they are going to perform those services for which we might otherwise have to engage non-alcoholics. Such special services may be well recompensed, but our usual AA 12th step work is never to be paid for. Ooh, I like that. So here is how we read it in the book, and this is what the 12 and 12 has to say about Tradition 8. Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers by the way I am because I don't have my big book on me I travel with a mini big book which is the first 164 pages it fits in your back pocket I never travel without it so I don't have access to my 12 and 12 of which there's also a mini version but I've never had so I am reading this directly from the aa.org website so if you want a big book or a 12 and 12 and it's during COVID and you're too embarrassed to order it from Amazon or even if you were too afraid to buy one in a meeting, you can go for free and look at these on aa.org. Okay, Alcoholics Anonymous will never have a professional class. We have gained some understanding of the ancient words, freely ye have received, freely give. We have discovered that at the point of professionalism, money and spirituality do not mix. Almost no recovery from alcoholism has ever been brought about by the world's best professionals, whether medical or religious. We do not decry professionalism in other fields, but we accept the sober fact that it does not work for us. Every time we have tried to professionalize our 12th step, the result has been exactly the same. Our singleness of purpose has been defeated." Alcoholics simply will not listen to a paid twelfth stepper Almost from the beginning, we have been positive that face-to-face work with the alcoholic who suffers could be based only on the desire to help and be helped. When AA talks for money, whether at a meeting or to a single newcomer, it can have a very bad effect on him, too. The money motive compromises him and everything he says and does for his prospect. This has always been so obvious that only a very few AAs have ever worked the 12th step for a fee. Despite this certainty, it is nevertheless true that few subjects have been the cause of more contention within our fellowship than professionalism. Caretakers who swept floors, cooks who fried hamburgers, secretaries in offices, authors writing books, all these we have seen hotly assailed because they were, as their critics angrily remarked, quote, making money out of AA. Ignoring the fact that these labors were not twelfth step jobs at all, the critics attacked as AA professionals these workers of ours who were often doing thankless tasks that no one else could or would do. Even greater furors were provoked when AA members began to run rest homes and farms for alcoholics when some hired out to corporations as personnel men in charge of the alcoholic problem in industry, when some became nurses on alcoholic wards, when others entered the field of alcohol education. In all these instances and more, it was claimed that AA knowledge and experience were being sold for money. Hence, these people, too, were professionals. At last, however, a plain line of cleavage could be seen between professionalism and non-professionalism. When we had agreed that the 12th step couldn't be sold for money, we had been wise. But when we had declared that our fellowship couldn't hire service workers, nor could any AA member carry our knowledge into other fields, we were taking the counsel of fear, fear which today has been largely dispelled in the light of experience. Take the case of the club janitor and cook. If a club is going to function, it has to be habitable and hospitable. We tried volunteers who were quickly disenchanted with sweeping floors and brewing coffee seven days a week. They just didn't show up. Even more important, an empty club couldn't answer answer its telephone, but it was an open invitation to a drunk on a binge who possessed a spare key. So somebody had to look after the place full-time. If we hired an alcoholic, he'd receive only what we'd have to pay a non-alcoholic for the same job. The job was not to do 12th-step work. It was to make 12th-step work possible. It was a service proposition, pure and simple. Neither could AA itself function without full-time workers. At the foundation and intergroup offices, we couldn't employ non-alcoholics as secretaries. We had to have people who knew the AA pitch. But the minute we hired them, the ultra-conservative and fearful ones shrilled, Professionalism! At one period, the status of these faithful servants was almost unbearable. They weren't asked to speak at AA meetings because they were, quote, Making money out of AA. At times, they were actually shunned by fellow members. Even the charitably disposed described them as a, quote, necessary evil. Committees took full advantage of this attitude to depress their salaries. They could regain some measure of virtue, it was thought, if they worked for AA real cheap. These notions persisted for years. Then we saw that if a hardworking secretary answered the phone dozens of times a day, listened to 20 wailing wives, arranged hospitalization and got sponsorship for 10 newcomers, and was gently diplomatic with the irate drunk who complained about the job she was doing and how she was overpaid, then such a person could surely not be called a professional AA. She was not professionalizing the 12th step, she was just making it possible— She was giving help to the man coming in the door, she was helping to give the man coming in the door the break he ought to have. Volunteer committee men and women and assistants could be of great help, but they could not be expected to carry this load day in and day out. At the foundation, the same story repeats itself. Eight tons of books and literature per month do not package and channel themselves all over the world. Sacks of letters on every conceivable AA problem, ranging from a lonely heart Eskimo to the growing pains of thousands of groups must be answered by people who know. Right contacts with the world outside have to be maintained. AA's lifelines have to be tended. So we hire AA staff members. We pay them well and they earn what they get. They are professional secretaries, but they certainly are not professional AA's. Perhaps the fear will always lurk in every AA heart that one day our name will be exploited by somebody for real cash. Even the suggestion of such a thing never fails to whip up a hurricane, and we have discovered that hurricanes have a way of mauling with equal severity both the just and the unjust. They are always unreasonable. No individuals have been more buffeted by such emotional gusts than those AAs bold enough to accept employment with outside agencies dealing with the alcohol problem. A university wanted an AA member to educate the public on alcoholism. A corporation wanted a personnel man familiar with the subject. A state drunk farm wanted a manager who could really handle inebriates. A city wanted an experienced social worker who understood what alcohol could do to a family. A state alcohol commission wanted a paid researcher. These are only a few of the jobs which AA members as individuals have been asked to fill. Now and then AA members have bought farms or rest homes where badly beat-up topers could find needed care. The question was, and sometimes still is, are such activities to be branded as professionalism under AA tradition? We think the answer is no. Members who select such full-time careers do not professionalize AA's 12-step. The road to this conclusion was long and rocky. At first, we couldn't see the real issue involved. In former days, the moment an AA hired out to such enterprises, he was immediately tempted to use the name Alcoholics Anonymous for publicity or money-raising purposes. Drunk farms. I really don't like that word. I guess they're talking about treatment centers. Educational ventures, state legislatures, and commissions advertised the fact that AA members served them. Unthinkingly, AA's so employed recklessly broke anonymity to thump the tub for their pet enterprise. For this reason, some very good causes, and all connected with them, suffered unjust criticism from AA groups. More often than not, these onslaughts were spearheaded by the cry, Professionalism! That guy is making money out of AA! Yet not a single one of them had been hired to do AA's 12-step work. The violation in these instances was not professionalism at all. It was breaking anonymity. AA's sole purpose was being compromised and the name of Alcoholics Anonymous was being misused. It is significant, now that almost no AA in our fellowship breaks anonymity at the public level, that nearly all these fears have subsided. We see that we have no right or need to discourage AAs who wish to work as individuals in these wider fields. It would be actually antisocial were we to forbid them. We cannot declare AA such a closed corporation that we keep our knowledge and experience top secret. If an AA member acting as a citizen can become a better researcher, educator, personnel officer, then why not? Everybody gains and we have lost nothing. True, some of the prospects, projects to which AAs have attached themselves have been ill-conceived, but that makes not the slightest difference with the principle involved. This is the exciting welter of events, which has finally cast up AAs' tradition of non-professionalism. Our 12th step is never to be paid for, but those who labor and service for us are worthy of their hire. Why I love this is because I believe it restores dignity to people who are in AA, but as this tradition talks about, are also professionals. If we're really working our recovery in a a way of integrity and harmony, we will see how our lives work in conjunction with our sobriety. I do a shit ton of service work and it's done both in the worlds of recovery and not, educating people about AA. I have been in um, on panels that go into hospitals and talk about AA to its medical staff to talk about the experience of the alcoholic and what AA can do for people that they come across. Um, we don't get paid for that. This podcast, I don't get paid for this. When I talk to therapists um, of sponsees, which you know some people would do and some wouldn't, or friends of mine who are therapists and dealing with people in recovery, I don't get paid for any of that. All I'm doing is spreading the message of hope in AA. Once I deliver the message, it's up to the recipient as to whether or not they're going to use that and go forward or dismiss it. And I'm sure I've given AA a bad name sometimes, but I also know that I've done more in the way of spreading the message of just bringing it into consciousness of people. Like when I got pulled over by the ride program here in Toronto after a couple of years sober and asked if I'd been drinking and where I had been. And I said, I haven't had a drink in, I think it was two years. And where have you been? I was just at an AA meeting. And they're like, you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, yep. Well, you don't look like one. Like even if that little exchange made that police officer next time think about, you know, a suburban soccer mom getting pulled over and saying, hey, for drunk driving and recommending AA, then I've done my job. And none of us represent AA, but we can all be responsible stewards of the program. And whether we get paid for it or not, twelfth step work, which is going to a drunk and telling them about how the 12 steps can relieve them of their alcoholism um, shouldn't be paid for if you're an interventionist or a sober coach fine that's one thing but as an AA member going to help a fellow alcoholic come out of the depths of our addiction and into recovery tradition eight states that that shouldn't be paid for but why not an AA as a sober coach or working in a treatment center or whatever, bring their experience, strength, and hope from their recovery in AA to their professional jobs, I think is a pretty good thing. There was something that stood out to me uh, that I wanted to comment on and I think it was right at the end of the first page. I'm going to give it another second. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I hope you love tradition eight. Oh my gosh, I didn't come up with a jingle. Okay, what should we do for tradition eight? What rhymes with eight? Um, I have nothing. I have nothing, guys. I'm sorry. Oh, look at that! My outro just started playing. Well, that's a sign from God that this is over i hope you've enjoyed this podcast i have missed you and thought about you so often and i promise you that i will be back tomorrow to talk about tradition nine and i will welcome in tradition nine with a jingle so stay safe my lovelies and i'll talk to you soon